Hi, everyone. Just a reminder that this show is not legal advice, trading advice, financial advice, or personal advice. Enjoy the show, and thank you very much. Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101, the average consumer's guide to cryptocurrency. This is Matthew Aaron, and Crypto 101 Media was proud to be a sponsor of the Ethereal Summit in New York. So, we sent Aaron Paul of ICO 101 and Mark Van Horn, the sales director of Crypto 101 Media, to New York to get great interviews and great video footage of the summit. So, for the next four episodes, we are going to put out that content for you. First, we usually put out an episode every three days, but because there's a lot of content and we don't want the content to get old, you know, it's kind of like lost in the history, we're going to put it out every other day for you. And also, I want to apologize for the audio quality. We had great cameras, great microphones, but because of all the people around, it was really hard not to get a lot of background noise. So I want to say in advance, I'm sorry about the background noise, but I hope you enjoy the content. Before we start the show, please go to Crypto101Podcast.com. There you can follow us on your social media of choice. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can send us an email. You can become a patron. Patrons, we have all of these episodes up there already for you. So if you don't want to wait every other day, go listen now. And we also have three more episodes up there for you as well. It's a little series that Danny and I recorded back to basics with Crypto 101 and Danny himself of a decryptionary. And finally, please go to iTunes, subscribe, leave us a comment and a rating. It helps us a lot. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy the content from the Ethereal Summit in New York City with Aaron Paul and Mark Van Horn. And we'll see you after the show. I'm Aaron. Evan. Aaron Paul. Evan, nice to meet you. Jay, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I'm with uh, Crypto 101 Media. We have uh, Crypto 101 Podcast and ICO 101 Podcast. Our frame is the average consumer's guide to cryptocurrency. So everything from what is Coinbase to what is blockchain to what is an exchange. And we've been around for almost two years, man. I've I've just been recently additioned and so has Mark. So what is Token Foundry and what are you guys doing? Sure. So Jay Thakura from Token Foundry. Evan Malenga from Token Foundry. Uh, we're both uh, project managers. Okay. Yep. So Token Foundry is basically a global platform for purchasing well-vetted tokens. Well-vetted um, tokens. Correct. Okay. So basically, at a high level, we are the tokenization arm of Consensus. We work with both utility token projects, moving into the security token space, but really focusing on sort of thinking through network design, protocol design, and token design for projects in terms of actually architecting incentive systems and then working with these projects in terms of structuring their sales, helping them think through the marketing, as well as fostering strategic partnerships for our projects to actually build decentralized projects or sustainable projects in this ecosystem on Ethereum blockchain. So we're pretty much full service in terms of thinking the advisory side as well as on the capital raising side of things as well. So that's the definition of a fully vetted Well, I would say in addition to that, when you go through the purchasing process, you'll go through like a KYC, AML process to ensure we're doing everything compliantly for those who are actually purchasing tokens as well when they register on the Token Foundry platform. And then specific to the token itself, we'll have proof of use questions and things like that so people understand what they're purchasing as well and it's not designed to avoid speculators getting into the raise. So take an average consumer. Sure. They, they take Bitcoin, they move it over into an exchange, and you guys or somebody offers an ICO or pre-sale, right? What would the consumer be able to do with you guys? Where would they go? How would that work? Sure. So I hope that of, makes sense because <laughs> yeah. I legit don't understand. Sure. That's why I'm asking from that sure. side. So to kind of just dumb it down for like the average 
you know, retail individual that's interested in sort of like how do we get involved in terms of purchasing tokens on Token Foundry. To take a step back, we actually don't do pre-sales. We don't do any sort of bonuses or discounts. Good. We've completely moved away from that model. We've actually never done any sale like that. You we're guys aren't doing airdrops? We're very cautious about <laughs> airdrops as well. But absolutely no pre-sales or discounts or bonuses. We're standardizing sort of the pricing for everyone in terms of making it fair for everyone to purchase tokens. And the main way that we do it is we actually have people one, sign up onto our platform, demonstrate some level of sophistication or knowledge as to how to purchase tokens, how you would store tokens in terms of private versus public keys. If they don't understand it already, we have an education system or a blog uh, in terms of providing educational content to how to do this responsibly. And the main component is to really sort of identify and match users for those tokens to actually be able to purchase these tokens and use these tokens for these decentralized applications. So to answer your question in terms of how you'd purchase it, you'd use your own private key based on sort of setting up a wallet accordingly, buying, you know, say, fiat to crypto on an exchange, moving that to a private key, and then using that private key to purchase tokens through Token Foundry. So it is a complex process. Not a lot of people still understand it, but our goal is to sort of educate people, one, on how to do it responsibly or safely, and then two, welcome them to learn more about our projects who've been vetted, and learn about sort of the use case behind it and see if it makes sense to actually get involved and purchase those tokens. So if somebody goes and, and they want to buy a token on your guys' platform, then the consumer or the retail investor can be rest assured that it has been fully vetted, it's not scammy, it works, and there's levels of, of course, you can't mitigate all of the risk, but the risk downside is lower than, say, some company that's throwing out a couple of airdrops and has a white paper and an idea and needs $50 million. Two things. Retail purchasers on the utility side, but if we're doing a security token, to be investors, number okay. one. Okay, but cool. number two, for us, it's more about just standardizing the information for people to actually make their own decisions around purchasing or investing, depending on the type of the token itself. How do you vet the developers? How do you vet the person who wants to sure. come in and use your platform? So again, as, as Evan alluded to, we do a lot of KYC as well as AML, AML checks around people that are purchasing or, or signing up to purchase. So they have to identify themselves. Depending on the amount that they purchase itself, we check the source of funds to make sure that obviously the money's not coming from anything that would be concerning from a regulatory perspective. And then in addition to that, on the sort of project side, we actually won work with the projects in diligence from a technical perspective on the protocol network incentive systems for months to make sure that these are all aligned but also on the development side we actually make sure that they have some sort of functionality to be able to roll out a product a working product within 28 days of actually accepting the first capital or free piece of capital so it's not just about sort of helping these projects look sexy and be able to raise capital but actually make sure there's some real product behind it in terms of functionality to deliver a product such that people can actually use it. How long have you guys been in existence? Token Foundries was founded by Harrison Hines about a year ago, and a lot of us have been on the team since then, sort of growing. We're now about 40 people across all aspects of the business. Very excited about you know, what's in store for the next two to three years as well. What project has people heard of right now that has used your platform from beginning to end? That's a great question. We just sold out a project called Virtue Poker. They're actually a consensus company, Virtue Poker. Okay. So they're basically uh, building out a decentralized protocol for online poker and building out different sort of algorithms around sort of the randomization that. as well as the custody of assets. And so it's a project that we're really excited about. We actually had them go onto our platform. They successfully sold out 25,000 ETH that they raised. 
um, and a very, very interesting project that went end-to-end -end in terms of thinking through sort of, again, the incentive systems, helping them sort of structure their sale, helping them market the opportunity, partner with different sort of strategic players, and successfully sell out on a platform. So are all these companies that are working with you guys right now going through this process? At various stages, but yes, they're all working with us, going through our laundry list of things that need to be done to achieve exactly what Virtual Poker did. Awesome. Why are you guys doing this? What's the motivation behind it? Sure. Everyone at Consensus, for the most part, believes in the Web 3.0, right? There's a lot of players within Consensus from different layers. Mm -hmm. So they have people on the infrastructure layer, you have people on the decentralized apps layer. But we're under the sort of Consensus capital umbrella where we're trying to do everything we can from a financial services perspective in terms of the capitalization or capital formation for different sort of decentralized apps both within consensus and outside of consensus. So the goal is to sort of provide capital financing or capital formation in the most responsible way for the Ethereum ecosystem. And so fundamentally, we believe in Ethereum as a technology and its ability to kind of change the world today. And our goal is to sort of do that as responsibly as possible. From today to two years from now, what is success to you guys? To put it in a nutshell, becoming the investment bank for tokens. Essentially being able to do full financial services that a traditional investment bank would do, but in the crypto economic world. And compliantly in line with you know the existing laws or any new laws that may come out. Cool. Yeah. Where can people find more about the project? Tokenfoundry.com. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. Appreciate you guys. Thanks. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thanks. All right, Paul from Metacert Protocol. What you got, man? What are we going to see today? Uh, you're going to see the best security solution for crypto enthusiasts and crypto teams to protect them from phishing scams. Okay. What is a phishing scam? That's where an impersonator builds a website to look exactly like another one. So take Ocean Protocol, for example, a really cool crypto company. They would have impersonators copy and paste their design of the website and then send it to people pretending it's theirs and saying, give us your crypto. We've got a special deal. Once you log in, you give your private key. That's it. You've lost your entire crypto. And 10% of all money invested in cryptocurrency is actually lost through a scam. So, for example, Binance, they say, if you're not on Binance.com, you're in the wrong place. Double check you're on Binance.com. That would be an example of a phishing scam. Exactly. And when I give talks at blockchain summits, I can actually demonstrate that it's technically impossible to tell the difference because phishing sites actually use SSL certificates. So they get the green padlock. They're free and they're issued automatically. So you cannot know the difference unless you spend considerable effort and time looking into the website. And you're not going to do that for every website that you visit. So my Ether wallet, there was an issue with that. What was that about? What can be something that somebody can learn from that like right well, now? That was a core DNS hack. That was actually, you couldn't really mitigate against that. Oh yeah? Um, but what we did was we have a browser extension called Kryptonite. It's an extension for Chrome, Firefox, and Opera. And what it does is it checks to see if it's a safe website by checking our database. Mm -hmm. And they happen to get a green shield, which is what I'm going to show you. When you land on the website, you check the shield. It goes from black to green. When you land on a verified crypto website or social media account. Oh, fantastic. Now, what we did there was, as soon as we knew about the DNS hack, we changed it to phishing. So then I started getting support requests saying, why am I not able to access my Ether wallet? I'm trying to make a transaction. It's like, hey, you're welcome. You just <laughs> saved your money. So before we go any further, tell us about you. What were you doing before MetaCert Protocol? And 
why are you in the blockchain, and what gets you excited about the entire space? I was at AOL back in the 90s, part of the team that launched 56K Modem Protocol, internet, radio, online games, AOL Instant Messenger, and I've been heavily involved in the creation of a number of internet standards at the W3C. I was one of the co-instigators of the standard for URL categorization and one of the founders of the Mobile Web Initiative. My first company was a trustmark for web accessibility compliance. So I care about people accessing the web while at the same time being safe. I think they need tools to protect their kids from adult content. I think we should be protected from malware and phishing while being comfortable opening up links. I see a world where you feel safe opening up links. So when you were involved in the internet 20 years ago, it got <laughs> you excited. Are you equally excited about the future of blockchain as you were then? More excited, same? Oh man, it's crazy. Uh, I was early in the web, early in mobile web, early in apps, early in chatbots and browsers, but I'm really late to the party with crypto and blockchain, I have to tell you, and I am actually more excited. The speed by which technology is growing and the desire to collaborate is insane. I only actually got involved in crypto in 2017 when Singular DTV came to us and said, hey, you seem to have this detection prevention for scams inside Slack. Can you help us in the crypto world? And I looked and thought, oh man, I'd rather help somebody not lose $5,000 than to help a big company have a tick box for compliance. And that was a pivotal moment for us because prior to 2017, we were focused on helping big companies stay safe on messaging platforms. Okay. But now we're heavily involved in that, but primarily focused on the cryptocurrency world. It seems to be geared towards the average consumer. There's not one person in this room who's not a potential partner, customer, or end user of one of our tools. Most of the companies here are using our software to protect their communities inside Slack and Telegram. And then if they're not a company, it's just an individual buying and selling cryptocurrency, then they should install Kryptonite. It's free and it's going to protect can, you from scams. Can we see it? Sure. Let's, let's get a demo. This is our Chrome extension. As you see, we've got the black shield. So when you install the extension, you get this shield. Okay. I'm going to copy and paste in Ocean Protocol website. Click return. And immediately it changes the shield from black to green. And you get this banner to say keep an eye on it. But you can get rid of that if you don't want to see that. We want you to look at the shield rather than that banner. Now what this means is... Green is good. Oh, green is good. Okay. If it's not green, just assume it's dangerous until you can prove otherwise. It doesn't mean it's a phishing scam. If it's not green, it means it's not verified. But you should think twice. So we're okay. now getting exchanges and wallets coming to us asking us to be verified because their users are saying we're not logging into the website till we see the green shield. Okay. Because it's impossible to stay on top of every phishing scam. It will also block if I type in example.org. So we classified example.org for the purpose of testing. We've classified that as phishing. So if you try to go to a phishing website, you'll get this blog page to tell you you shouldn't be going to the site. So when my Ether wallet was hacked, this is what happened when you tried to visit that website. So a lot of our users came to us and said, hey, I want to be able to visit this website. And it gave us the opportunity to actually alert them. Ryan had his Twitter account hacked the other night. Huh. Two nights ago. So we changed his Twitter account handle to phishing. So everybody using Kryptonite was protected from that scam. And then when he got his account back again from Twitter, we changed it back again. So when you go to his account now, it has a green shield. So you know it's a real Twitter account rather than a fake Twitter account or a bot. Because the verified symbol on Twitter doesn't mean anything. Right. They don't give it to enough companies or people. So hmm. people don't look for that blue badge. But if you look for the green shield, then you know it's real. What else do you guys do? What's coming down the pipe? I mean, okay, if... this is an interesting one. 
and this is really cool, I think. We're now verifying crypto addresses. So with these guys over here, they're already a customer that use our security software inside Telegram. So inside 30 seconds, I said, give me your wallet address, because they're going to start selling tokens as part of the Token Foundry. Yep. Give us your wallet address. I verified it, I classified it, and then I posted that to our Telegram group, where we've got the security bot. And it came up with a message saying, this is a verified crypto address. Hmm. If we classified it as phishing, it would have deleted the message and said, don't go to that wallet address. So anybody now who go to a website that has integrated MetaCert, they'll get that green shield. And we've got a few of these lined up already, but I can't mention them by name yet. But okay. some of the top crypto exchanges and wallets are integrating the MetaCert protocol that's used by all of these tools so that when you visit their website and you copy and paste a crypto address into that field, it will check the MetaCert protocol in less than a third of a second and there will be a little icon on the website and it'll change green to tell you it's been verified so you know it's really there. So when I get back to my hotel room, I can get the Kryptonite add-on yep. right now. Yep, metacertprotocol.com. Metacertprotocol.com. Yep. So where are you guys at? Are you guys doing a token sale? Coincidentally, now we are because okay. in order to be able to do all that verification work across the entire web for websites, bots, apps, APIs, and social media accounts, and to be able to classify the web beyond what we have. We already have the world's biggest database of classified content. It's the biggest threat intelligence system already. Because mm -hmm. we've been building this way before we came into crypto. But to scale that, we need other people to help submit and validate. Mm -hmm. So in order to incentivize good behavior, they'll actually have to pay tokens when they submit their own validation work. And then the validators get paid in tokens. Okay. Or if you want to submit something that you think is malicious, and we get people doing this every day, at least 10 times a day, submitting suspicious links. It's difficult for us to verify that. Yes. So we need experts to do some of the work. And so they will stake some tokens, submit, and then other people will validate that information. And when it's confirmed as true, it gets entered into our token curated registry mm -hmm. and everybody gets paid in tokens. So actually we'll go into private sale mid-June. Okay, and then the token launch is gonna be August, September? It's going to be on the mainnet in September. Okay. We, we're actually pretty close to a test net because this technology is like enterprise grade for the past seven years. We're just getting that threat intelligence system and put it onto the blockchain and building the reputation system and the token economics because we're one of the token foundry clients. Yes. And so they've yes. helped us. They've been amazing in helping us with the token economics and token design. With their brain and that and our brain and content classification, we can create a really compelling token creator registry. And so actually, we'll be able to give out functional tokens before we start selling them, or at least no more than seven to 14 days after we start selling tokens. Fantastic. Is there anything else you want the listeners to know, to check out, anything in particular you're excited about? Don't use your phone number for a password backup and recovery. Okay. Don't use it for two-factor authentication. I personally recommend 1Password. Always use an app for two-factor authentication. Do not rely on the padlock in the browser toolbar. It doesn't mean anything in regards to reputation or trust. It just means it's encrypted. So when you enter your username or password into the website, it's encrypted between you and the server. You don't know who owns that server. For security purposes, there's a couple of things. The one question I have for you is, what is the difference between OnePass and Google Authenticator? You like OnePass, you recommend OnePass. What's the difference between the two? Is one more secure, less secure? We get asked all the time 
about different types of security options like apps and wallets rather than give you two or three or four options and you'll walk away thinking, oh, I'll review them. I'll just say, just use this just one. Use this just one. use this one. Google Authenticator is good, but if you lose your device or change your device, user experience is not really good. Authy by Twilio is a good app. Authy so either Authy or 1Password. And then with 1Password, as an individual, it's useful. But as a crypto company, we advise those companies to use 1Password and ensure vaults. So don't email each other passwords or usernames or anything that's sensitive, not even in a secure messaging platform. Store it in a vault and ensure that information because anybody who's got a high profile or is likely to have a high profile in the crypto world is a target. It's like James Bond era. You really are a target. You will have people going to Starbucks, sitting down beside you, wondering if you'll get up and go to the restroom and say, can you look after my laptop for a minute? Mm. That's the kind of stuff you can't do in the crypto world. It was recommended to me that when I'm setting up my crypto accounts, don't use my primary email, my personal email. Use, set up a separate email account, a secure email. Yeah. What are some secure email companies that I could use to separate that? I wouldn't worry about that too much. No? Uh, use a different email, of course, but for anybody who's going to transact seriously, we advise them to get a new computer and use only that computer for that purpose and don't use it for anything else. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Good advice. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for Thanks. having me. I'm Aaron Paul Wu with Crypto 101 Media. Crypto 101, ICO 101 is geared towards the average consumer. The plumber, the bartender, the moms, the pops, the grandparents, if there are some who are interested in the technology space. And we are trying to get them involved into the space. So that's who we are. Awesome. Have you ever listened to our podcast before? Uh, I have not. Check us out, man. We got a lot of listens. So who are you? What is Sybil? And what's the problem you guys are trying to solve? Yeah, so uh, Sybil is a marketplace for ethical journalism. So we're not hiring a bunch of journalists and we're not a publication pushing out uh, news articles, but we're a marketplace. So we're connecting newsrooms or publications with users. And so to put around ethical journalism. You know, what is ethical journalism? That's kind of nebulous, right? So uh, we wrote this document with input from some of the newsrooms that we're launching in the community on, we call it the civil constitution. And so this is our sort of definition of what ethical journalism is. The long and short of it is, you know, you're transparent about your business model, you're transparent about what you're doing, you're not going to spread misinformation. And so what civil is, is a protocol, and in uh, particular, a whitelist of these ethical newsrooms. And we have this crypto economic mechanism called a token curated registry. So essentially it's a whitelist of approved newsrooms. AdChain is another project using this mechanism called a TCR. And so what this allows is a newsroom to apply to be on the registry. So they'll stake some amount of civil tokens, let's say 100. And is staking that token like a staking of a reputation? Yeah, it's, it's essentially an application fee to be okay. on this list. Okay. okay? And so then now all of the other token holders need to look at this application and say, well, having this newsroom on the platform you know, increase the value of, of my holdings, of my tokens, because they're going to draw users to the network, they're going to produce good, accurate information, or are they going to decrease the value of my holdings because this newsroom is going to spread misinformation, they're going to sort of undermine the credibility of the list, which will then in turn collapse the value, okay? 
Okay. So if they decide that they should not be on the list, I could then challenge the listing with an equal amount of civil tokens. So if you paid 100 to be on the list, I'll pay 100 to challenge it. Okay. At that point, it enters a voting period where all of the other token holders have to decide, should they be on the list or should they be challenged and not be on the list? How do you stop a bad actor from coming in with a substantial amount of tokens? Yeah, you're absolutely right. So, uh, And somebody can know, say, I would challenge this, but I don't have enough tokens. Okay, yeah, say the Koch brothers want to like insert their newsroom on there, so to conduct a 51% attack. So like, they would have to like buy a bunch of tokens and that would like sort of jack up the value, okay? Right. And then, uh, so they'll spend a lot of money on there and then maybe they'll get their listing on the registry. But we have this body called the Journalism Ethics Council. So it's essentially a coalition of First Amendment lawyers, journalism professionals, free speech advocates that the civil media company has appointed which we'll then aim to decentralize later, which we'll even get into later if you're interested, that essentially have veto power over this list. Okay. So let's say you conduct this 51% attack, you've now got your newsroom on the list and you spent your money. The Ethics Council could then veto that decision and then now they're not on the list where you still spent all your money on driving the price up, but you didn't get the outcome that you wanted. What if the Ethics Council has a completely different ideology than the person who has the substantial amount of money, and what if they're not even a bad actor? What if the council's ideology is just completely different and somebody's ideology is different, they have less money, they can't challenge that, but everybody is in disagreements? So the Ethics Council is essentially chosen by, the, like, originally we're appointing it, and they have the mandate to not to follow the, the Constitution, which Political bias should play no role in it as long as there's constitution. The civil constitution that defines what it means to be on this civil register. Okay. And that the token holders agree. Okay. Because by holding this token we're they agree to the constitution. Yeah. Okay. So then this council upholds the grounds of, of what this constitution is. So political bias in theory should have no say in it. But let's say for example they do. The community could then overturn the Ethic Council's decision with a supermajority vote. So we have this system of checks and balances. What's interesting is that, you know, having this council, the token holders should see value in having that exist because it helps prevent against these sort of just pure, like, 51% attacks and stuff like that. And it helps just really keep the system honest and not just financially motivated. Right. I think a lot of these, like, when we think of crypto economics and economics in general, a lot of people think, well, an economically rational voter would do this. And, and they also think that money is the only thing at stake. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. 
All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. But I think what's interesting about Civil, and you sort of alluded to this, is that this is also a social problem. And people do things that aren't economically rational to achieve a social gain. Right, right. So this helps hedge against that, and everything is in service of this constitution. This right here said that Civil is a decentralized marketplace for sustainable journalism. Can a journalist use your platform to make money? Like, can oh, they yeah. start making publications that can be of value, or kind of like maybe like a Reddit, like, upvoted and all of a sudden if they make a post that goes viral or a blog that goes viral, can they make money on that? Oh, absolutely. So being on this whitelist is essentially your badge. We're trying to cleave the internet in two. You have like newsrooms and publications that aren't on this whitelist that when you go there, you don't know if you can necessarily trust them, if they're credible. Then you have newsrooms on the civil network or the civil registry that you could then, you know, you feel that you could trust them. Now, how those newsrooms monetize, we have no say in that. We think that it'll be uh, like monthly subscriptions, uh-huh. because these newsrooms are sort of directly accountable to their constituents. It might be a subscription where it's like eight bucks a month to view any articles. It might be a recommended eight bucks. They might sell t-shirts out of a van. They might host events. We have no say. As long as they're producing quality content and not spreading misinformation, they have a place in the civil protocol. Where did this business come from? Who made it? So Matthew Isles was our founder. Okay. He has a background in journalism, but spent a lot of time in digital media. And sort of, we all saw how digital media and advertising in general has really corrupted how publications monetize. They're not held accountable to their end users. Fake news. Yeah, you, you, you get clickbait, and, and the sort of the stream is, is just corrupt. And yeah. so we think that the civil protocol can help fix that by just holding these publications accountable to the people that care that they exist. And they can tell stories directly to the people that are listening to them. To me, 
journalism has always been news, right? And when you turn on any of the 24-hour medias, it's more of entertainment now as opposed to news. Yeah. Is there anything in civil that says this is just opinions and this is fact-based news? Yeah, it's interesting. When For example, like a blog. And just this, this is a blogger. Now I'm not saying bloggers don't post news. But yeah. Here's a blog site. Here's an opinion piece. Here's fact. I was on the ground in North Korea and South Korea, the decentralized zone, and this is what happened. Yeah. That's news. Yeah. A lot of these things come down to media literacy and being transparent about how you present your story. You should be able to say, is this factual or is this not factual? And I don't think it's that cut and dry. No. For example, like analysis, right? Like you're, dis you're sort of distilling all of these, all of the things that are happening into some analysis that might not be able to like tie it to an individual fact or a quote or something, but it's this sort of distilled knowledge. There's a place for that in journalism. There's a place for opinion pieces. There is a, a place, cultural pieces, that has a place in journalism. Yes. All of these things have, have places in journalism. Yes. The key thing is that we want users to understand when a piece is presented as fact, like being boots on the ground provides credibility to the article, they should be able to display that to the user and the user should be able to feel better about that article, to, to understand what they're reading. If a piece is opinion, you need to take that into mind when you're reading it, right? Like if something is presented as fact, but it's really opinion, mm -hmm. that's misinformation. That's right. So we feel really like we have actually have this notion called credibility indicators that help guide the user on how to read a specific piece of content. I found when you said the civil constitution, there's a constitution that everybody buys and when you get the token, when you are on the whitelist, you're agreeing to the civil constitution. Absolutely. Does the civil constitution, and you talked about checks and balances, what are the checks and balances within the constitution for an evolving society, yeah. for an evolving media, because what we're really trying to say is there is a problem, and blockchain offers multiple solutions in all sorts of industries to solve problems where the individual's opinion is not actually valued as much as it should be, or at, really at all in a lot of industries. Yeah. And so society is going to continue to evolve, yes. and so civil is going to have to evolve as society evolves. Yeah, absolutely. And what, are, what mechanisms are built into that constitution that will adapt to those changes, yeah. if any are needed? Yeah, so we took a first stab at what the constitution means with input from industry professionals in our community, but that's just the first pass, and we're going to like get better at this and we're going to learn and the community is going to have a say and I mentioned the ethics council that has the ability to veto these decisions. We took the first pass at appointing this body but they have a mandate to essentially come up with a protocol of how to decentralize themselves and decentralized meaning like they need to be diverse geographically, culturally. For example, like we can't define what ethical journalism means to Venezuelans or people in Cambodia. We don't know how to like curate this list because we don't have the cultural nuance that they have. So I can imagine the protocol will evolve to sort of have these different facets of decentralized and sort of different facets of civil and what it means to these groups, I, I can imagine. I guess the long and short of it is, we'll figure it out. The community will help us figure it yeah, out. Have, yeah, and that's what you're trying to do. Yeah. Where can people find more about Civil? And are you guys live? Do you have a working product? Are you guys in ICO pre-sale? Where are you guys at in your overall development and roadmap? Yeah, so uh, you can find us at joincivil.com. We are 
launching a token, I'm not entirely sure of the date, but it's soon this spring. We're hoping to do a uh, beta launch. We're launching eight to 12 of our first fleet newsrooms. These are just like an incredible lineup of you know people from the all, the New York Times. We're a startup, we're launching eight startups on this platform. We're awesome. launching them like in June. We're just so excited to get this ball rolling. Man. Cool, awesome. Anything else you wanna say? No, I think this is really great. We're just so excited to, you know, I think once we launch, then we're just going to sort of see how this, where the community takes us. And, you know, this is the first, well, like AdChain was the first sort of token curated registry to launch. And we're really seeing how these crypto economic protocols evolve, like in the wild. It's just so fascinating. I'm just so excited. Cool. Cool. Nice talking to you. Thank yeah, you very take care. much. Crypto 101 and ICO 101 is for the average consumer. So who are you? And let's go from there. My name's Ryan. I'm a co-founder and CEO of Foam, which is a spatial protocol for Ethereum, providing location standards as well as a proof of location. This is a full stack web app currently on the uh, Rinkeby network of Ethereum. And this is a, basically what we think of as a cross between a Bloomberg terminal and a Google Maps. Right, so this could be the very first time anybody sees anything about cryptocurrency or blockchain technology, why would they want to use this? This looks like that you have a, for me, I say, wow, there is no privacy here. Something is tracking me. What is this? No, Foam, that's actually quite the opposite. Foam is trying to create a privacy-preserving, uh, fraud-proof alternative to GPS, where people can choose when they want to generate a proof about their location and have it be fraud-proof. It's a solution for blockchains, so when there are smart contracts executing autonomously, but in uh, use cases like Pokemon Go, everyone was hacking their GPS and lying about their location to unlock Pokemon. Right. So now, if we apply this to any sort of other uh, scenario where there are real tokens of value, uh, whether it's in a supply chain or another Pokemon type of game, people could prove their location to not uh, basically cheat those kinds of applications. Okay. So Foam is an open standard and open protocol uh, with many kinds of tools like the visualizer and uh, proof of location to really be a horizontal infrastructure that anyone could hook into that needs location when using blockchain. Is this more business to business or peer to peer? Who can use it? Uh, anyone. It's an open protocol, open standard, in a way to either curate data on the map or run uh, what we call zone anchors to offer alternative GPS services. Foam is really made up of three elements. The first is the crypto spatial coordinate standard. So this is how do we actually encode location into smart contracts. And earlier in the demo we showed here, uh, when we deployed it, it actually gives it a crypto spatial coordinate address. It's based off a latitude longitude, but it's uh, hashed and combined to a smart contract, so it's an immutable way for a contract to claim a location. The spatial index web app is now that we've encoded location, how do we visualize it, how do we interact with it? And that's the map, the full stack web app. And the third point is proof of location. How do we actually know that is there? And that's where we're trying to incentivize nodes to offer new uh, location services. So for example, you can have these low power wide area IoT radio beacons uh, be set up and they can discover each other. They can then synchronize their clocks and form what we call a zone. And by being in sync, that time data is how you determine location. It's how GPS works. They can then bond tokens on the blockchain and say, hey, we're bond tokens? Bond, like oh, a deposit. Okay. <laughs> a safety deposit. Say, like, we're going to be offering service level agreement. We're not going to be faulty. We're going to be on. And if we are faulty, we're going to lose this deposit. And so once the zones are up and running, then location customers, let's say a car, can drive around the city and use their discretion when they want to pay to buy a presence claim. It's encrypted, it's private. 
and once it gets in the zone, it's then checked by a verifier and put on the blockchain as a final proof of location. So the location customer can then take that proof, show it to their app or the Uber driver to get paid or anything else. And that's really a summary of the elements of foam, and we see it really affecting many different verticals, such as Internet of Things, uh, geospatial data, supply chain, mobility, uh, and insurance. So Fantastic. it's open uh, source, uh, horizontal, that any of these applications can hook into and build on top of. Man, this is awesome. Cool, and uh, ultimately we'll be incentivizing people to run their own nodes and uh, run a time sync protocol over radio as an alternative to GPS. If you can track where the smart contract is coming from, how is that private? It's the user, so the location customer, let's say it's a drone or an Uber driver, they, if let's say they want to get paid, they have to present their application that they've been in certain locations. So they would pay for those location claims, it's encrypted and it's private, and they would choose to reveal it to that application so they could get paid. So the app would then say, hey, you need to show me you've been around uh, throughout the day, and you could privately reveal it just to that. Uh, Give me a very real world practical example of how this would work. Johnny wants to get paid to do X, yeah. and has to prove that he did what he said he was going to do, yeah. and there has to be verification mechanisms in place. Can I have one more example sure. on that? Um, you see a lot with autonomous self-driving cars. There are these new startups trying to pay people to go around and collect data about the city. Okay. Um, maybe I do that once and submit my data and get paid, but I then just build a simulation and submit the same thing the rest of the week, and I'm just laying in bed. So that application could say, as like the driver, you have to show me that you're in eight different points throughout the day, throughout the city. You must reveal these fraud-proof certificates that are on the blockchain that we know you paid for, and the only way you could have done it is if your car was actually in those places. I got you. And so if these kind of applications start to integrate smart contracts and blockchain, they can also start to integrate spatial parameters with phone. Okay, fantastic. We want to say, hey, you can actually get paid and earn money and uh, run a new source of revenue by providing these secure location services. So and There's mining aspects involved too? Yeah, so that's how we bootstrap the coverage of these zones of coverage. Why would I want to set one up? Well, I can earn uh, mining rewards. And the rewards are spatially weighted, so people can signal where they want zones to appear, and the mining rewards will be higher. So let's say everyone's in New York, but there's a signal in Minnesota. If I moved there, I would actually get more rewards. So that's a way to spread it over time. So, so yeah. Why did you start this? Uh, so we What's started Foam actually three years ago in early 2015 as a speculative architectural project. So we were thinking of how do you capture the value of space and put it on the blockchain. So our first project was called Foam Space. Uh, we built giant 10 feet uh, geofoam blocks, took over the streets of Manhattan, built the blockchain, supported by museums here in New York. And we cool. airdropped tokens to everyone who came on actually Bitcoin at the time. It was before Ethereum. And from the beginning, we were thinking of how do we visualize these new markets? Uh, how are we going to have blockchain speak about the real world? So that's really our passion. We started other speculative projects like the Tropical Mining Station, mm -hmm. which we used with the funds from that uh, other project and that token, uh, where we built an Ethereum miner that captured the heat in an inflatable bubble so you could actually be inside the node and get the free heat. It was recreated last year at Ethereal, so we took over the courtyard with a giant foam bubble. Uh -huh. And from there, we started building other protocols and applications, but we realized uh, everything that we're most excited about wouldn't be able to work in a decentralized way without proof of location. So okay. that's not where we started, but we realized that that's a fundamental thing that's going to be needed for all these different applications. Five years from now, how do you define your success? Yeah, so it's going to take a long time to get this network coverage bootstrapped and up and running and be matured and have testing. So that's really where we see it beginning in five years. And in that meantime, there's going to be mining rewards to subsidize and incentivize people to help setting up and test this network. But probably five years is when we're going to see actual location customers, smart contract marketplaces really being in the real world. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're going to be starting now to be prepared for that time.
And how do you, as the age old saying goes, you know, 70%, 80% startups fail in their first year, how are you not going to be one of those statistics? Yeah, well, we see ourselves really as an open source protocol that's really going to be driven by the success of the community and the stakeholders. We allow the tool sets for people to participate in a decentralized and permissionless fashion. We'll be distributing our token as part of the Brooklyn Project framework to give it to consumers and people who actually help use the protocol. And then it's open source and forkable, so people can make their own version if they want, but ideally would all help together to build out this protocol to make it the most successful. And you guys are pre-sale, or you said you're going to be doing uh, an, launching an ICO? No ICO, no pre-sale, but we are having a token sale as part of a Token Foundry. We'll be on their platform oh, that's right. as part of the uh, Brooklyn Project initiative yep. of a new consumer-compliant token model. Uh, we'll be going straight to mainnet after the sale. Uh, there's no pre-sale, and we're really trying to get the token in the hands of people who help build out the network. Fantastic. Is there anything else you wanted to uh, add? That's it. Just you can check us out at foam.space or join our Telegram and follow us on Twitter. Ryan, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks I so appreciate much for having you, man. Bulent, Colendi. Is that how you say it? Colendi. So what does Colendi do? Who are you? And what are we about to look at? So I'm the founder of Colendi. Colendi is a decentralized credit scoring and microcredit protocol. Okay. Runs on Ethereum blockchain. Okay. We have been working with the fintech ecosystem for the last decade, and we already had a 2.5 million active user transactional banking startup. In fintechs? In fintech, What yeah. did you do? We have an e-money license company. It okay. was an online wallet like PayPal okay. in Turkey. It had 2.5 million accounts and 1 million active users. Wow. Okay. So we know what we do for the last decade, but there is the huge opportunity for the people to be scored in buying and definitely decentralized and distributed platform. So how did you get in the blockchain? What excites you about the blockchain? Well, whatever we do, autonomous systems, decentralized systems, and because of the math love, I guess, I'm really into blockchain for the last two and a half years. Okay, cool. So what is Colente? Colente is a decentralized credit scoring and microcredit protocol. What Colente do is, when you have a financial passport in any country, like from Turkey to Malaysia to Switzerland to Latin America, Colombia maybe. So you have an identity with attributes and attestations in it, and now you have a very open credit scoring and credit worthiness score that you can use for car sharing or money lending or a microcredit from a merchant. So we have borrowers and lenders in the ecosystem mm -hmm. which can be used as platform partners. Mm -hmm. I understand why you would need a credit score for borrowing money. Why would you need a credit score for, say, ride sharing? So whatever you do, you have to know the person you are lending your money or renting your car or renting your apartment. So yes. there's a credit worthiness score that everyone needs in this life. And this has to be private. Yes. As we all aware, these data breaches, etc. Yes. We believe that the data belongs to the person who owns it. Okay. So this is why we use Ethereum blockchain. Mm -hmm. And what we want to crack is like this decentralized world will become our own data, our own uh, score, our own landing platform protocols or whatever it is, but it's gonna be open for everyone. Okay. And it's not gonna be changed by us. Okay. This is why we want to be the layer for reputation in this moment. So we were just talking to somebody earlier today about a person to have a credit score because it will be necessary to borrow digital currencies, right? But how do you envision borrowing unsecured money in the future? Like what does that look like to you? So you say you have lenders and the lenders are obviously gonna look at credit score. 
Let so how does, that, to, how does that work? Let me try to define the environment that we are living in and the environment that we are going to live in the upcoming decade. So I'm pretty sure that there are going to be partners for us to reassure people who are going to land or who are going to borrow this, in this ecosystem. And the thing that we want to achieve in the next decade is like we have to be the identity part must be solved for us because when we are talking here, there is no need for an intermediary to escort this account or letting us to exchange something. Mm -hmm. That has to be through a decentralized trust. Yes. And this is why we give the opportunity to have you a decentralized score. This is your score. Mm -hmm. It belongs to you. And it comes with your friends, family, or co-workers, whatever. But it comes with attestations. It comes with attributes that are packed, your email, your phone, your whatever. You give these to the friends or the borrowers or the lenders, then you can exchange it through a protocol. This is why we believe that there won't be a centralized system as an intermediary for this uh, negotiation to be done. Mm -hmm. What we want to start at the moment is like, we want to make sure that the data that you own from your mobile phone or wherever, stored in that part and you will open the key and give the score to Zaid or any other person that right. you want to share with. So for example, in the United States, your current credit score is automatically being sold to the credit agencies and the credit agencies are using those credit scores to give it to other agencies who are somehow, some way you're getting miraculously offered <laughs> credit cards and loans and all that stuff. Exactly. That's going to go away. I believe in the next decade, when I go to London or United States, when I try to open a bank account or a credit card, there are lots of headaches at the moment. For sure. And when I have a financial passport with me, that's because who am I? For the last 40 years I'm living in this world and I have lots of digital footprints yes. all over. And I have lots of, let's say, friends, family, digitally assigned person, mm -hmm. uh, so they can watch for me. So why not using these? as a scoring algorithm and give the person to ability to passport mm -hmm. their potential financially or as I mentioned, if you rent their house or if you rent your car mm -hmm. or you are sharing a drive with a person. So these are all gonna be changing in the upcoming days. What we want to start is like, and then ignite this with a couple of potential underbank people because they are the most suffered. Mm -hmm. For sure. How do you transition from having an identity or a credit score, if you will, that's currently public, and let's just say that that one's bad, and you want to start a fresh digital credit score, do you actually take your public with you to your private, or will you be able to separate them and it's all forgiven in a renewed... As a matter of fact, let's say, when you say public, it's centralized and belong to some credit score agency or credit score platform, yes, right? Yes, correct. And yes, correct. They can look at your background and mostly for the last couple of hundred years, banking is the risk assessment and they want to know they how much yeah, they, yeah, they, they, they want they to know. know how much you earn yes. and what's your risk factor. What we want to believe for the next case is we want to separate the fraudsters and fraud part and the real credit worthiness to sides. Mm -hmm. So this is why we need a self-serving digital identity. I'm sure that we are gonna you also know Newport guys, they're definitely a great company. They are trying to solve this for the last two and a half years, I guess. Mm -hmm. And we are now working with a lot of great companies trying to solve this issue. So there is the identity part mm -hmm. that you are going to create for first maybe time or you can 
take your public data and come to our platform mm -hmm. and start from somewhere. But what we want to support is we want to split the process and really uh, people who are in need of this change and who are decent guys, I, I'm pretty sure that we are on the same page here because yeah, yeah, we sure. want to definitely take the process out of this game. For sure. And if we have this kind of a technology, this is the complete trust protocol. What is this? What is this right here? What are um, we looking at? This then? is like an interview video of uh, Colendi. This okay. is our team. Uh, we share the same vision, all of us. I sold my last company to a big name, but I really don't want to sell this one. This is my last startup mm -hmm. Why? to say. I believe this is going to be a world-changing stuff and we need to invest ourselves in it heavily. This is why this team come together mm -hmm. and for the last two years we are working heavily on this one, mm -hmm. trying to solve it, trying to achieve something and with support from Token Foundry and Consensus guys, we are trying to take it to the blockchain because Everything is changing. When we are talking about 1989, maybe, mm -hmm. I might say decentralized hypertext language will change everything. And you might say, you're crazy, man. Yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> so I believe this is going to change, but not tomorrow. Uh -huh. But we are processing and progressing in a good way. Do you guys have a prototype working? Yeah, we have. And is, it, is it available to see? Yeah, we have the private alpha at the moment, and we are going to open it next week. You'll see it from here, because this was our event to oh. share with the public. And you, you guys doing a token sale? Actually, we are working with Token Foundry to model it, because we are looking for a legal part. We are looking for alpha ready. We are already funded, so we don't need anything, but uh, we want our community to support us. Sure. And we are working with three major companies from two continents. And when we launch, we will have 10 great companies from five continents. So, what are those companies? Uh, you will see them. Not uh, their names, but what will they do? Oh, they are merchant partners. They want to score their clients and retail guys, energy sector guys, and a couple of very interesting government guys are in this project. Okay. And what we are trying to solve in here is like they have this know-how of their transactional data for the last 20, 25 years, but they do not have a scoring algorithm like banks have. So we open source our algorithms to these guys mm -hmm. and give them ability to change the dynamics of it and Matt never lies. So this is the potential upside for them. They are now having the risk assessment and credit scoring algorithm in their own packet and they can now give installment shopping opportunity to their clients. Mm -hmm. So this is a huge thing for them and huge thing for us and huge thing for clients because they are now able to get rid of the intermediaries as of today. Okay. So this is our product at the moment. Hopefully we will launch our main net at the end of this year Okay. and we'll use the power of blockchain and the community. I have three questions for you. Sure. When you launch your main net, will users will be able to use it straight away? Yep. And will there be a beta that people will be able to test before then? In September, we will definitely give the opportunity to use everyone our beta product. Okay. The second question is, based on your past, you've had different companies, and as the age-old saying goes, 80% of startups fail in the first year. 95. I'm 95. I'm just saying. I'm gonna say 80. In Tokyo, you know, 95. I, guess, I can say 95, but you know, I'm trying to. I'm trying to pad the numbers yeah, a little sure. bit. How are you not gonna fail? This is an ever-changing space, ever-evolving space. The current technology today could be obsolete tomorrow, and if you're not there to make that happen, maybe this thing that maybe this say, thing doesn't go. Either. I can say two very important things for me and my team. We focus. We are very persistent on this. 
and we don't have chance to fail in this project because we have a great community support so far. Okay. And where can people learn more? Uh, from kolendi.com. And our Telegram channel because it's the most private part at the moment. Cool. Belente. Pleasure meeting you, man. Thanks for talking to me. Pleasure. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Crypto 101. We hope that you're enjoying the Ethereal Summit so far. Mark and Aaron had a great time being there and a great time making this content for you. Before we go, ApogeeCrypto.com, that's A-P-O-G-E-E Crypto.com, the best place to check your real-time prices. CryptoNews.com, the best place for your news. And WPOnTheFly.co if you need a website. We'll see you with more Ethereal Summit in a day. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.